Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. Welcome to a special three-part series in collaboration with AXA PPP Healthcare, the health insurance provider that works with the world's best wellbeing experts. I've got three extraordinary people lined up. Tim Lovejoy, who's been through a bereavement. Bella Mackey, who has battled anxiety and depression since she can remember. And Chris Helenga, who was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 23 and has since founded the breast cancer awareness charity, Copperfield. Along with each guest, I speak with an AXA PPP healthcare professional who shares their expertise and advice for those who might have experienced something similar. In this first episode, after speaking with Tim Lovejoy, I'll be speaking with Jason Webb, who is a registered nurse and has helped to set up the AXA PPP healthcare bereavement support service. So my first guest is TV presenter, football pundit and a fellow podcast host, it's Tim Lovejoy. Your podcast is pretty heavyweight in terms of you've had some really serious guests in terms of people in that health area. Yeah, I, well, I started by sort of, uh, it was a joke, really, podcast to begin with. It was, I, mm-hmm. It's called Dear Lovejoy, and it was a self-help podcast because I'd, I'd you know, had depression and I'd gone through, read so many self-help books Um and uh, I was talking to my friend Mark and he used to produce me on radio. He said, we should do a podcast. What should we do about it? I said, well, I'd do self-help because I know all about that. Yeah. And you, know? and you believe in self-help. You believe in that kind of... Certain aspects of it, yeah. And right. so I'd read so many books and I just... So I start, we started doing advice. But I, even though it was quite lighthearted, all my advice I'd give was serious advice. And then mm-hmm. one day we thought we should get someone on to talk to. And um, we got um, someone who had written a book on anxiety. So we got her on and, and people liked it. So we thought, we'll just carry on doing that. So is this because in your personal life, you've got an interest in health? Are you like a super health nut? Like, you know, do I have to eat spirulina and stuff if I go for dinner with you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested in diet and I have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think it's got a lot of mental and psychological connotations to it, food. I agree, yeah. And I think people are not discussing that um, or thinking about it in those terms. When my brother died of cancer, which I'm sure you'll get to later, um, he said something which was really strange when he he went to see uh, her. Basically, they sent him home and said, you're dying. Um, go home and die. Oh, my and, goodness. That's so final and so abrupt. Yeah, yeah well, it yeah. is horrible because your brain is still working. So his brain was still working. That's the problem with cancer is your brain's working, but your mm. body's deteriorating. So mm-hmm. he, he was still sort of, you know... The, alive mentally and yet physically he was starting to dwindle but I found him this woman called Rosie Daniels who was a cancer specialist in Bristol um, can- uh, um, the cancer clinic Bristol Cancer Clinic that's it she was I found her online and I just asked around everywhere and mm. started researching online thinking you can't just sit there and die this is ridiculous you can't just go yeah. home and be told to die so I found her and she had a clinic I managed to get him, my brother in and he, she does all holistic medicine and mm-hmm. 
and stuff. So she said to him, you have to sort of turn your body alkaline-ish to, to help with this sort of cancer. You've got your pancreatic cancer. Yeah. And he, she said, you have to give up things like roast dinners and um, and cook breakfast. And I remember right. my brother saying to me after he'd gone to sleep, he's going, what is the point in living if I can't eat the food that I like? And I just thought, wow, how much how much emphasis we put on the taste of food, which is only on your tongue for a very limited amount of time before it goes into your body. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you, when the goodness happens. Food is supposed to be fuel, isn't it? But actually yeah. it's social, it's pleasurable for lots of people. Uh, yeah, you're you're painting the positives there, but it's also um, the the reason why I interviewed uh, Giles Yeo recently, and he was he's telling me the reason why you crave food constantly mm-hmm. is because your body's trying to survive. Right. Okay. We are we are uh, as a human race. It's only and I got this was on my podcast. It's it's only very recently that we've had an abundance of food to eat. Before that, we had to eat when the food came along. Even my parents' generation who were in the war would be rationed. So mm. when they get food, they eat as much as they possibly could because mm-hmm. they don't know where the next meal's they coming from. So the body's storing all the time. We're still storing, even though we've got food in abundance and a lot of the food we've got in abundance is crap. Mm. Yeah. I know it's important that we eat, but it's that the whole discussion the basis, point is, yeah. is, is just lunch and dinner and what we're going to have and how many different types of meals. But it's hard when you've got kids because if you've, like, so I've got two kids, so life has changed where we can't go out in the evening as much as we used to be able to. So our evening is get rid of them, put them to bed, cook, sit on the sofa, watch a documentary, eat more stuff. And actually, we're not hungry. It's just an activity because we can't leave the house because they're upstairs in bed. Yeah, but that's it. You're using it as an activity. Yeah, and it shouldn't be, but it is. Go for a run, do some star jumps, do some yoga. (laughs) Where does this interest in diet come? Is it it post losing your brother or was it pre? Well, listening to what my brother said there, but then I realised that I've always been fascinated by humans and watching them and... Mm -hmm. and, um, I've always been fascinated by our diets. And mm. The one thing about my brother as well dying is that he never had the chance to use his body after a while. He died at 37. Um, and I just think I have, I do binge and mm-hmm. I do get drunk, but not like I used to. Yeah. Because I always... How old are you now? How am I 51 now? Are you really? Yeah. Oh, you do look good. Yeah, that is <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean, so I guess much. that shows with the diet then. Yeah. Well, I don't know because the diet's pretty new, as in fasting and stuff. But um, I don't know. With the, I've always eaten lots of fruit and vegetables, but I've always really enjoyed them. Yeah. But so is it is this stemming from an anxiety of I want to live longer, I uh, want to look better? Like, what's the kind of? And you said about your brother following the alkaline diet. Did he actually follow it? Oh well, he had to, yeah. yeah. But he had to, but he didn't last very much longer after okay. he, he he was sent home. So it wasn't a particularly long time. Um, it stems from being on TV, Katie. Uh. The, the pressure of being on TV. <laughs> no, you get to watch yourself a lot, right? You see, from every every from angle, every angle. Yeah. And and I have something that other people don't have. That's why I'm careful about what sort of advice I'm um putting out there because I'm having to witness what I look like constantly. I did wonder, you know, I read up a bit more about you, and I wondered. If you're a spiritual person, or actually if it's the opposite, because when we are affected by tragedy or trauma, as you have been, you know, losing a sibling and he was such a young age, does that make you angry and dispel any belief in some kind of spirituality? Or does it give you a want to explore it further and and understand it and submerse yourself into it? Hmm. I think the answer to that is I just don't know. I definitely definitely don't believe in... um, any of the religions mm-hmm. uh, that are out there. I'm probably more akin to Buddhism, but because it's a way of life, quite a nice way of life in certain aspects, I quite like that. The non-attachment stuff I like. Um, 
<clears throat> my brother, when he was dying, he called in uh, a, a vicar because he was confused and scared. And, and the problem with was he religious? Or? No, no, no. Our family okay. aren't religious. We're not Christians or anything, right. so we don't come. And and then he. They didn't do anything for him, and then he met someone who was spiritual who came in, and they they gave him a bit more comfort. So, who who did you as a family seek comfort in? Was it sort of organisations like charities? Well, the, the or... best ones were Macmillan Nurses came in, and um, Macmillan and Marie Curie, two two charities that I love to support. But they came mm. in when it it's a really strange thing when you're told when you're told to go home mm. and die. Mm-hmm. It's you know, and most of us won't uh, you know have to go through that sort of thought process, that trauma that he had to go through. And, and, and you him. as the bystanders as well. But not nearly as much as him. He felt very lonely and that was a, that was always the thing. Um, and, they, you know, they tried different chemo on him and then said, look, none of it's working. Pancreatic cancer's a killer, you know that. It's, mm. the, it's Once you've got that, it's not, not, not a lot of chance. I mean, I know some people can, but you have to get it really early. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, he had to just go home and 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 face it on his own and i think when you when you have that i mean you tell me you've you've had a, a, some horrific things happen to you mm. do you feel very lonely when uh, yeah i suppose there is that isolation and particularly if you're a young age going through something that typically people of your age won't mm. hopefully won't have to have to face um and i suppose my journey was i didn't know if this well, a lot of the things were permanent um, they weren't life-ending, but they were permanent. So I suppose, as with bereavement, you have to practice a level of acceptance. And it's sort of, it's not about things eventually being okay. It's just you learn to live with something and mm. you learn to adjust. And I suppose that's why I was interested in the, you know, the topic of this podcast being around health and you experiencing something quite unusual, as I have, and wondering where that had taken you in your own health journey. Like, for example, I've had to, you know, since becoming a parent, we've had to sit down and write wills and things like that and talk about our own death, me and my husband. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've found things like that quite hard to do. I don't, I mean, I guess you have a will, do you? I, yeah, I sort of, yes, I do. Um, the one thing which happened with my brother was uh, I had, um, suddenly, you know, as a young man, every young man listening to this or every man listening to this will realise, I don't know if it's the same with with um, women, but you feel immortal. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm so brave. Oh, definitely in your 20s, yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, you kind of feel that and you feel like, a, you know, as a, as, yeah. a, as a man you have the, a testosterone running through you and like, here I am. Mm. And then when my brother died, it was it was very much a, oh, I could die. Mm-hmm. And you know you go, oh, that stuff happens to everybody else. Or in films or on the news yeah, or the papers. It never happens to me yeah. or my family. Yeah. And my grandparents still live very old. Old and, mm-hmm. that stuff. and my brother died and I was like going, my God, I could die. Mm-hmm. So your mortality. Have... So I've spent a lot of time thinking about death and I mm-hmm. realise that I think about death a lot more than other people do. I, th- I think that's okay because it's the only certainty we actually have in life. The death rate in this country is still 100%. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> um, but, you know, there is a taboo subject in this country. And yes. should we be so scared of dying if it's the only certainty in our whole entire life? No, we should, definitely shouldn't. And I, and that's sort of the conclusion I've come to. Mm-hmm. I, I interviewed uh, uh, Catherine Mannix, uh, Dr. Catherine Mannix, who specialises in death on, on my podcast. Uh, she's a palliative nurse who, who deals with people on the, you know, when they're dying and making sure that they're, they're, you know, they're, they're comfortable. And she was saying the, the biggest problem is we just, no one wants to talk about it. We use yeah. these expressions like, 
passed away and you've lost. No, you haven't lost them. They're mm. dead and they're dying and they've and they've died. You know, they're the words we need to use because they don't beat about the bush with mm. it. It's happened and it happens to us all. And also don't shy away from discussing it because, mm. you know, and I think we did that with my brother. I think I was the person who was constantly saying, don't worry, we'll find a solution. There is no solution. You're going to die. You're terminally ill. Your body's giving up. But, but, but that's how we felt we should be. Is that because you believe in the importance of living positively and projecting a positive outlet even when it does feel final? Ooh, I struggle with the word positive. I think the word is honesty and truth is what you you just mentioned a few minutes ago, which I mm. thought was how your de how you dealt with your situation, and I think that is more interesting than positivity in my mind is that you learn the truth and you accept it. Yeah, I mean, you, I suppose positive positivity for me is reframing your thoughts, and it, so I I am optimistic, but I'm not in denial, so um, I, I want to know the facts and accept them. But I think people sort of. I've bastardized that word a bit to go, you know, oh, it doesn't matter what happens. Just think positively. Everything will be all right. And it's like, no. And that's a bit moronic. Things yeah. have changed. And and Catherine Mannix makes this point. And I think it's really important. And the same with what, what, what you have go, go mm. through and what happens to everybody when somebody dies. It will never be the same again. Mm-hmm. When she wrote that in her book, it was the bit which hit home with me. Right. When my brother died, it will never be the same again. He's gone. And it don't will never search be the for same. it too. Don't try and rebuild. But that's the bit. It's hard to come mm. towards. So, so when you had your horrible um, incident, it will never be the same again. No, it and, can't be. And and everyone around you wants it to be the same again. Yeah. And you want it to be. The, well, and, that's that everyone around you wants to make it okay and and make it back to how it was. Yeah. And and that's yes. that's a that's failure straight away, yeah. isn't it? And that's when I think the truth is an honesty and acceptance of the really big words. Okay, my brother, he's dead. He hasn't passed away. He's not been lost. He's dead. And it's not going to be that. I sound harsh here, but but well, no, but, I, but I think it's how how we're. It's a lot easier to talk about a ninety-year-old man who's died. Yeah, because there's less sadness. Because my brother to was that. so young, it was horrible. Mm. The the repercussions of my brother dying is I never watch a horror movie now, or I never watch. I a, don't. Never watch yeah. thrillers or anything like that I'm like Christ when you've had when you've watched someone mm-hmm. you love body disintegrate in front of you you're mm-hmm. not going to go and watch that go through those emotions again so I always say this to my husband he wants to go to the cinema and watch a horror film and I say I've had enough horror in my life <laughs> yeah. I don't need to pay yeah. to to get those spiky feelings yes. inside I've had You've them had, been yeah. there done that you know yeah. I could even I could even have nightmares for free doing that you right, know it's yeah. not because I was going to ask you for people who are going through what you and your family went through and it's very real and it's happening now what what sort of advice could you give them? But I don't. I almost feel like you've answered that. With, I I it depends how old the person is, but I feel talking and honesty is probably that. I love if you're taking mm. advice off of me, you're taking advice off a of TV presenter, which is a crap idea because <laughs> because I'm not qualified at anything. No, but you but, have dedicated a lot of time to yeah, understanding this. And I mean, you've done that personal I, work. I recommend if you are going through a, a terrible situation to read Dr. Catherine Maddox's book because she is absolutely. It talks about this a lot and and so some some people who are dying want to be in denial and and it's quite nice to leave them in denial but that doesn't mean you lot can't the people watching the bystanders who are left behind can't talk about what's going on and yeah. and sometimes they want to talk about it and you're not letting them talk about it mm-hmm. especially if it's an old person and and she says that one of the nicest things people want to do at the end of their life is just unpack all their lives to mm-hmm. you right 
So I think it's like at the beginning of your life, this is my new theory on it. I've got okay, theories go on, on. Every, everything. But at the beginning of your life, you need a parent mm -hmm. because we're crap. You know, when a horse is born, it's pretty much born a horse. Okay. Uh, when a baby's born, it can't fend for itself for God knows how many years. And you're probably, you know, living with you for 20 odd years or something. But, but the, you know, they, they, it takes a while. So you need to look after them and you need mm -hmm. to, you know, you need to nourish them. You need to feed them and yeah. you need to water them and give them. I think at the end of their life, I think we all go, right, you sort of say, oh, the indignity of it all. Oh, they're like they're mm -hmm. wetting themselves or yeah. they've or they're, or they're, um, got saliva coming out of them. They're dribbling or something like that. I think it th th doesn't matter. We've got to stop, you know, your body's slowly disintegrating. It's that's the inevitable, a, isn't it? That's a horrible word I've used there. I've got to think of a better word than that. But it's slowly, it like like when you came well, into the world. you're regressing back. Yeah, you, yeah, are. Yeah. you are. And and I think that is where we, we need to change the way we think in society. This is just my theory at the moment. Mm -hmm. And where we think, where we say, right, we dedicated six years to the to the uh, beginning of life, at least we can dedicate a year or so to the end of someone's mm -hmm. life and all be there and listen to them and, and you know, and yeah. educate them and stuff like that and be part of it. Mm -hmm. And if you are part of it, when they leave, like I was always, there, I was there at my brother's death and it was, uh, it was a horrible mm -hmm. thing and I always thought, I wish I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. and, and Catherine Mannix made me realise that it was lovely to be there. To be part of it, To yeah. be part of yeah. it because, because it, it, it's such a, it was such a huge thing, obviously, in all our, in my whole family's life. Yeah. And it's sort of rather than shy away from it, it was nice nice that I was there in the end. And great that you let people in in terms of you went through it as a family. And like you said about Marie Curie and Macmillan, I suppose some, for some people, you know, we talked about the isolation, but it can be a temptation to put up those walls around you. Um, you know, you talked at the beginning about depression and mental health. And I suppose that's where some people can sort of go wrong, cut themselves off and think they're fine for the first few years. And then years later, it starts to unravel. I think talking is always a good thing, and mm. and, the, and the marvelous, the wonderful thing about Macmillan, Marie Curie, and also if you if you are suffering from depression, if you can go and see a therapist, to find a good therapist. There's some rubbish ones out there, but there's also some good ones. Actually, talking to strangers is a really nice mm. thing to do, because it it just it just it's a different look on your life then you know it's it's nice to talk to somebody who who's not invested in you yeah i think it really is i don't know did you did you yeah well i mean that's kind of why i love doing my job you know i'm i'm writing i'm doing podcasting i'm making documentaries and i am meeting lots of different people from different walks of life that i probably wouldn't have naturally come across so mm. you know did I, you have therapy yeah i still do yeah so i've had i had cbt therapy edmr specialist therapy for PTSD, you name it, I've done it. <laughs> There's something quite nice about telling someone, a stranger, exactly how you feel about something which That's you can't... Liberating. Which you can't yeah. tell a family member because they'll judge you. Yeah, but or you'll you, burden them further. Yeah, or yeah. you'll burden them. That's, that's yeah. a really good point, yeah. yeah. Burden further. And you just say, this is how I feel about it. Mm. And they just, they look at you and if they're good, they don't judge. Also, if you tell a family member, they'll try and, again, make it okay and give you a solution. And sometimes mm. there isn't an answer and a solution for everything. And sometimes you don't want that. Um, and that can actually make things worse, this obsession with... Yeah. Almost lying to people and telling them it's okay and they patch it all up and that that's not really mm. not the solution. Having depression has led me into so many like different sorts of philosophy and everything else. Mm -hmm. Reading about Buddhism and everything, just to see what everyone else makes of it, and I'm, I just find the whole subject absolutely fascinating. How my brain's working. Yeah, no, I, I do too. I suppose that's the thing. Actually, depression leads you into a deeper thought pattern and a, yeah. and a deeper want to understand that that behaviour and those feelings. Definitely. And um, and also how you can stop feeling those feelings. Mm -hmm. And to try and explain to someone 
about depression who's never had it. It's so hard. Have you saw, have you had depression? Yeah, and I don't know if this is a bit of a negative um, thought process, but I I think you will always live with it. And you will, you know, like a roller coaster, there'll, there'll be times when it's in check and you can recognise signs and triggers and you can cope with it. And there will just be some write-off moments where you just have to live and let be and, and, and let it sort of be one of those days or weeks. Yeah, so I've got a new theory. Do you want to hear my theory? Go on then, yeah. <laughs> my new theory is I, I don't like to tell people I suffer from depression. I like to say I've, I've had depression. And, and I think, it, it, again, it's, an, it's, it's another way of thinking about it, but... Um, I think depression is a way for your mind and your body because depression hurts all over, doesn't it? It aches, like, yeah. aches yeah. and it's a dark. It's mm-hmm. like a – and when someone goes, oh, God, just strengthen up, and you're like, wow, do you not know how? It's like – It's a fault. Well, oh, like yeah. how Stephen um, Fry says black dog, you know, it's like this black dog, this this fog. I see it as a tunnel with no light at the end of it. And then mm. suddenly I, when, when, I'm, when, I, when I came out of it, um, I've – been in there a few times it's like little shards of light like they're coming through trees start mm. tricking and every now and then they get a little hit of warmth and you go oh i'm nearly i'm coming out i'm coming out and then eventually the sun hits you and it's like oh that's amazing however i think it's because your life's broken that's what i think so mm-hmm. i think you have to analyze everything about your about your life i think it's the way your body is telling you that i mean look i, I know there's people with chemical imbalances and mm-hmm. that, that start of stuff but I think for someone like me, I've been through a trauma with my brother dying in, yeah. that, in that respect. And I've been through breakups of uh, um, relationships and and also in the job we're in is really fake. And it's very triggering. And yeah. Weird and, yeah. And all that sort of stuff and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And so you, you put yourself in all these environments. And I think what you have to do is you have to then look at, look at all your environments. Then you have to consider... Am I drinking too much? Have I got, uh, uh, you know, am I, is my diet good? Am I exercising? Mm-hmm. All these things. Yeah, they're and, key factors. Well, that's yeah. why I spend so much time on it because I look yeah. at it all and I think, oh, that, you know, the whole thing, the, the, the whole of your life, maybe you need to just change and, and move yourself towards that. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't do drugs. I don't take any antidepressants or mm-hmm. anything like that. And I just try and do it all through speaking, reading, listening, learning. Yeah. Uh, you know, exercise, diet and everything else. Yeah, I mean, I'm not anti-antidepressant because I know for some people they need that and actually Mm. it really works for them. For me, I've never taken any kind of uh, pharmaceutical meds for mental health. Not to say that I don't think people should, but again, for me, exercise and diet and therapy and speaking and having purpose was key. You know, when I couldn't work, when I was unemployed, that was harder for me mentally. And when I got out there and got a purpose, even working voluntary, mm. that that lifted so many things for me. And and, and if you if you are depressed and listening to this, just try and do one thing, even if one step. Mm. The first thing you should do is walk. Because yeah. walking is Outdoors. just the, yeah. just get out and walk in a, a nature. And it's in a free park. and yeah. it's, it's accessible. And, uh, just try, if you can just do that once a day for, you know, get out of bed. Because I've been in that situation where I just want to be in bed. Yeah. And, and just get force yourself out of bed. You've got a conscious mind. You can do that. You can move your arms and legs, even though it hurts. Just get around the park. Um, and just then come back and then do mm. it the next day, do it the next day and slowly but surely. And always know when you're depressed, there will be a time where it's better than other times. Mm-hmm. So just wait for that time. Yeah. It will happen. Thank you so much for sharing a, a part of Pleasure. your life. And Thanks for inviting me. No, it was really, really great to talk to you. And if people want to listen to your podcast, it's called... Dear Lovejoy, D-E-A-R, Lovejoy, yeah, as in a advice column. If you're experiencing something similar to what Tim's been through, you're not on your own. 
I know from my own experience how important it is to have someone in your corner when you're going through a difficult time. And when it comes to your health and well-being, so do AXA PPP. I'm joined now by Jason Webb, who is a registered nurse who has helped to set up AXA PPP Healthcare's Bereavement Support Service for members as part of its 24-7 Health at Hand service. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Katie. Great to meet you. (laughs) Thank you. Feelings mutual. I have lots of different guests on the podcast and I'm always fascinated, excited, intrigued to meet people. Um, And you're no different. You do a very, it's a very human role, isn't it? It is indeed. And of all the certainties in life, there's one certain thing, we'll all experience bereavement. Um, And I suppose for some people that's hard to accept um, and that's where you come in. So Jason, can you tell us a bit about what your job entails? So as bereavement support workers, um, we take calls from people that want to discuss their grief reactions. Um, So we listen to what they're saying and we try to create an empathic connection with the person so they really feel listened to Mm -hmm. because that may not be available in their present circumstances. Yeah, Other people may have moved on or it's too difficult, but they still have these issues, these internal thoughts and feelings that they would like to express. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the temptation with some people is to want to give people a solution, make things okay. And this is one of those situations in life where there isn't something you can offer to sort of patch it up and, and, and make everything go away. No, that's quite right. It's best to avoid telling people they're going to be okay mm. or chin up. Yeah. These these aren't particularly helpful phrases, mm-hmm. um, especially when a person is already trying to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be quite patronising or... They're just in a place where they're absolutely wiped out mm-hmm. um, from what they're thinking and feeling. Yeah. So for some people, you might then be the final stop where they've gone through the formalities, they've supported those around them, and now they've recognised it's time for them to maybe process what's phys- physically happened. Um, it can be. Um, so after around three months, people are in a position... Um, where there's less numbness and shock and feeling overwhelmed Um, and they don't have to play this social role to themselves and to other people Um, and they start to process what is going on for them because every attachment um, with uh, a person that's died, their loved one, every attachment is different. It's such. It feels to me like it sounds like such an individual service where it's so tailor-made to each person. It's very tailor-made. Grief is a very individual, personalised process. There are themes in grief, clearly, but um, we're we're the nearest person to the deceased and we may have uh, experiences that are just not experienced by other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was thinking, you know, people that will be listening to us now, you know, would have listened to Tim's um, episode and Tim, you know, as we know, lost his brother very, very young age to cancer. Um, and has been very open about that experience. Um, And you've already given some brilliant advice, but if there is someone listening in that similar situation who might be thinking about using the service but or or might decide that's not for them, is there a sort of a piece of advice you could give them to take away from this episode? Bereavement is a a normal process. Mm -hmm. Our family and friends are often all that we need Mm. to go through this very natural process. Um, but if people are getting stuck um, and they've maybe listened to the podcast, they can call us and just sound off what, what what's uppermost in their mind. Mm. 
um, and hopefully we can reflect back. And it's that re- in that reflection that a person may get over that mm-hmm. that barrier, that, yeah. that feeling stuck. Mm. Well, thank you, because it's it's a subject not talked about a lot, even though we're all going to be affected by it. And, and for some people, it can be difficult to talk about. And, you know, I, I'd like to really show gratitude to you for coming on and sharing your experience, um, your knowledge and just giving us an insight into actually what might happen if we choose to engage in, in this in this service and how we'll feel going through that process. So really, really useful chat. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials.